to the West, a podcast where we discuss Middle Earth strategy battle game. With me today are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. This is episode four. Now, before we hop into today's topics, I just want to do a quick follow-up on uh, something that was discussed at the end of last episode. Uh, we were discussing Gimli, and Ian brought up the fact that he has a situation where he can get plus three to wound. Was that right, Ian? Yeah, I think it was the uh, the bonus from Legolas, him using his Master Forge two-handed weapon and an enchant- a channeled enchanted blades gets him to plus three to wound. Yeah, that 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 was that's crazy, and it got me thinking uh, just throughout the week what other models in the game can achieve that same bonus. Um, the one I, I thought of was Elrond with his hand and a half sword and hatred of spirit. You can also put a channeled enchanted blade on it. But I was thinking of profiles um, that could get the plus three without enchanted blades. The Dunlanding warrior and the wild men of Dunland and the Dunland legion that recently came out in War and Rohan. So if they use their two-handed weapons and they're fighting a Rohan army, so they get the Hatred rule, plus one, so that's plus two, and then they call the Dunlending War Cry once per game, which gives them another plus one. That gives you the plus three to wound. Uh, but other than that, I couldn't really think of any profiles in the game. I just thought that was really interesting. I will say that one's more impressive because you can get it on, like, an entire army. <laughs> <laughs> like, for one turn, but still, that's insane. Yeah, you do have to go two-handed, but... And it has to be against Rohan, but super conditional. But if, you know, the one time it happens, <laughs> a lot of fun. So in today's episode, we'll be discussing the Cave Troll profile, which is actually not a hero profile, but um, I think that there's a lot to talk about in this profile. Um, so that'll be interesting. And in the open topic for today, we'll be discussing overrated heroes of the game. Let's start with the first segment uh, with the cave troll. So we'll be going over its stat line, its profile, and um, each of us will be presenting a list that we'll be discussing. They have a cave troll. So to start, I think the interesting thing about the cave troll profile is that it's, it's in two different army lists. So you could take a Cave Troll in a Moria list and an Angmar list. The Cave Troll is a troll, a monster, and he's an infantry warrior. 75 points base, and he comes with a spear. He can take a troll chain for 5 points, which is a throwing weapon, 3-inch range and strength 5. And he can take a hand and a half hammer for 5 points. Stat line, move 6, fight 6. 5 plus shoot, strength 6, defense 6, 3 attacks, 3 wound, and courage 3. His special rules are terror, burly, and throw stones. So, general thoughts on this profile? Burly strength 6 is mm, delicious. <laughs> I know Richard has differing opinions than me, but that's... I don't know, we, we can get into that later, or if you want to talk about it now, but that's I think is the big draw for the cave troll, is that 
barely strength six, he can just do a lot of damage. I think that makes him point for point probably the best of the troll profiles. Since he's already, if you give him the hand and a half hammer, which I can't imagine not giving a troll that piece of war gear, given the burly special rule, he's 20 points cheaper than any of the other troll profiles. And he's just a small wrecking ball, I think, is as much of a psychological weapon as anything else. Uh, let's get this straight. I don't hate the burly special rule. <laughs> I don't hate the hammer. I think it's pretty good. I just... I think it's worth the consideration to just keep the spear because it does come with the spear and having that occasional fight six support is really nice. And also, I find that because the cave troll is a monster, you have the brutal power attacks at your disposal. So a lot of the times you're not actually striking normally. So I understand the hand and a half with the burly is really nice because that's essentially plus two strength in most situations so he's essentially a strength eight model which is pretty nice but yeah i just think that it's the spear is worth considering but i also agree that he's by far just the most cost effective troll and um, what he also does better than his counterparts is having a cavalry size base so Mm -hmm. most of the time having a smaller base is advantageous. Of course, there's times where you want a bigger base to block off certain choke points and all that, but yeah, generally, smaller base is better. I mean, I guess he's only fight six, but compared to other trolls who, who rock to fight seven, you know, that's a big difference. Having the smaller base is a nice little advantage on top of that. Yeah, Alex mentioned that he's 20 points cheaper than the other trolls. Actually, He's only 20 points cheaper than Mordor Troll. I think Isengard and Gundabad Trolls are even more expensive. So the Cave Troll is, against some of those more expensive trolls, he's almost half their cost. And to add to what Richard said, I think if you're going to be rending and hurling, then you might not use the hammer very much. Yeah, it's definitely scary having Strength 8 on a on a model that's 75-80 points. You know. Now, the other war gear option we haven't talked about is the Troll Chain. For five points i've never really seen uh this option being taken maybe once um is it ever something that you guys would consider on your troll no it's bad i like the idea because the troll hits on a five right yeah it is strength five yeah i kind of like the idea just like if you want to charge him into like an enemy hero and there's an, a model blocking him you can have that threat of oh i'll kill this guy in front and then i'll hit your hero when you're not expecting it i mean it is only five points, so, like, if you have five points, why not? But I wouldn't go out of my way. I feel like in a Moria list, you know, whatever, it's one goblin. Might be fun. But it's not, yeah. like, something you need and going to win you games, but... Yeah. Yeah, so I think, overall, one of the cheapest monsters in the game. He has the potential to do a lot of damage, and his points of value is low enough that you can kind of spam it if you want to. You can have more than one in one list. So let's go over the ratings for this warrior profile. Oh, uh, uh, before you do, I just want to mention the one thing where you said it, you can take it in two factions, Angmar and Moria. With the shade nerf in Angmar, um, it's actually taken a pretty big hit to the cave troll profile if you take them in Angmar. So because the shade now only includes the models in an Angmar keyword and the cave troll doesn't, then that means you're actually getting penalized 
with a with a shade in your own list. I do agree with the anti-synergy being a downside in Eggmar. Personally, I see it more as a shade nerf, uh, more reasons to not take the shade rather than the cave troll being weaker. But yeah, it's it you definitely want to avoid having both in the same list if you're running Angmar. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to play Angmar though. There's like the shade way, and then there's you know running Gulivar and Magic kind of way. So yeah, it's yeah, a but big detriment to that list, I think. Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying that Angmar is unplayable. Far from it. Just more so the cave troll in the Angmar list. It's definitely more limited now. Mm. Yeah. All right. So if you were to assign a rating, zero being something that you wouldn't take in your army and 10 being an auto take when you play that army, where would you say the cave troll falls? I think in the Morial list, maybe a nine out of 10. I think this is a great profile and I probably would try and I have allied it, uh, allied this profile into Alliance lists as well. But I think in the Angmar list now, I would probably say it's maybe a 6 out of 10 because, honestly, I just think Angmar has a lot of other options as well. I think I have to agree with Richard for the most part. I really think it's kind of an eight and a half, nine if you're taking it in Moria. But in Angmar, really between the Shade and Angmar's army bonus which gives Angmar Orc Warriors within three inches of a spirit hero terror special rule. You can get a lot of orcs for the cost of one cave troll. I'd say he's probably a six, six and a half maybe. Same thoughts here. I, th- I think in a Moria list, you can do some really nasty combinations with, let's say, the, the Bat Swarm. And um, and just hoarding out on goblins is really effective with the cave troll. Uh, so I would say it'd probably be an eight in a Moya list. And same as what you guys said about the Angmar list, it doesn't really synergize. Um, there are plenty of hard hitters, other good alternatives in Angmar list. So yeah, I would say it would be a five or a six in um, in Angmar. I think he is definitely better in the Moria list, but I don't know if how well he compares to like the Dweller and the Dark in that list. I have never really seen them run, but they do look really cool, and I think they have Fight 7, right? Dwellers have Fight 7, yes. Um, yeah. I've seen, seen them a few times. I know uh, Mitchell, um, one of the Seattle players from the Durin show, he's run a lot of Moria lists, and I think he's kind of had a monster mash kind of thing with both Cave Trolls and Dwellers, and I think he, he tends to like them, but in my opinion, I just, I think the cave troll for the most part is the superior profile because the dweller has the fight seven and move eight, but it's a lot squishier. Yeah, D5 and also bigger base, easier to, to trap and strength five. They do play like a similar it. role in Moria. Okay. So yeah, I, I guess maybe an Angmar like a six just because... I've kind of like experimented writing lists with them, and it, it's kind of hard to get the trolls into an Angmar list because they just have so many like heroes you want to take and toys. And like Alex mentioned, it doesn't really synergize with your army bonus anymore, especially with the shades. So yeah, I'd say like a six in Angmar, and then maybe seven point five in Moria. All right. So uh, this week we have a variety of different lists. Ian is going to bring a five hundred point Angmar list with the cave troll. Alexander is going to bring a 500-point convenient alliance with Moria. I am going to bring an 800-point pure Moria list. 
and Richard is going to bring an 800-point convenient alliance list with Moria. So let's start out with Ian today. Okay, so the first thing, as soon as we decided on the cave troll profile to talk about, like immediately I was like, okay, I want two of them. <laughs> that was the first thought that went through my mind. They have the two second, cave trolls? Yeah. <laughs> the second thought was, how am I going to manage that at 500 points? But I, I'm pretty happy. I, I kind of snuck away around it. I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. So like Charles said, I have uh, an Angmar army. So my first warband is the Witch King with the Crown of Morgul and the Horse. And he's got three Might, ten Will, and three Fate. Again, I'm still not 100% sure how to set up Ring Wraiths with their Might, Will, Fate. I think this is pretty good. I gave him the max amount of Fate. I know people would kind of debate me on that. But I think you kind of want him in there doing a bit of fighting in this list. Because it means 500 points, you still fight five. And he's got the strike, so I think on the horse he can offer that an extra threat. So I think the three fate is good in case he loses a fight. In his warband is a cave troll with two-handed weapon, six orcs with shield, seven orcs with spear and shield, and one wild borg. My second warband is Birder, so that's my cheating. Um, and he's got six orcs with shield, four orcs with spear and shield, two orcs with spear, and one wild borg. So that comes to 500 points, 30 models, 16 dead to break, and 6 might. So initially when I wrote it up, I had warg riders in the list for like to fill out the speed and like the cav option and a banner. But my numbers were, I think, about 26 models, I want to say. And I had a lot less, like none of my orcs had, uh, none of my spear orcs had shields either. I liked having the banner because it, it kind of helps out the Witch King, the Cave Troll, and Birder winning fights. But... I decided that having more numbers is better. And then the two wild wargs that I have in there, they're purely for objectives. They're not really to like go in and shut down heroes like cat. Well, they can't because they're still infantry, but they're purely for objectives. And I think they'll be pretty good in like seize the prize and stuff. It's a pretty simple list, honestly. You know, you rank up the orcs. If they start front rank starts dying, everybody, most of the guys in the back can shield to hold up everything. And then, you know, the cave troll, birder, and the witch king go and hit stuff. The one thing that's really handy about the Witch King in this list, especially with the Crown of Morgul, is that, yeah, he only has the 10 will, but because he has the reroll, basically, if you can just keep on throwing, like, one die immobilizes every turn. So if anything gets into the Cave Troll or Birder that's, like, kind of threatening, he can just try and immobilize it or try and wear stuff down before that can happen. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping, obviously, yeah, the heroes have to do the heavy lifting, but I, I think it's decent enough for what it is. And I do like the fact that it has six might, because usually Angmar has, like, nothing for might. So that's kind of cool. I don't know. What do you guys think? When I first look at it, I think it's a very unusual Angmar list. Like you said, six might at 500 points is, I think that's above average for Angmar. Also, your list is missing what I consider one of the best profiles in the game, the Barrel White. It doesn't have Spectres either, which I'm a little bit surprised, because they're oh. so useful. Spectres are, you know, Ian, I know... The first episode, you were complaining a little uh, about the Sentinel being not worth its points. The Spectre is like a cheaper version of it that has the same ability. The Barrel White is really good at shutting down big heroes. And even though he has no might, he also provides another spirit hero. So if you want more of your orcs to cause terror through the army bonus, uh, Barrel White is a great way to do it. But what you do have is you have three three attack heroes uh, in a 500 point list. That's really scary. I don't know how many lists at 500 points can stop that in combat. 
Uh, only two, two, two heroes. Two heroes, yeah. But then a cave troll as well. Oh, three uh, models. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, yeah, I was actually considering the Barrow Whites. And I, actually, looking at my finish list, I guess you could do two Barrow Whites instead of the Witch King and more troops. But I, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It kind of brings a bit more it's, versatility. Yeah. It, it's not what I'm used to at Angmar 500 points. It doesn't have a lot of the tools I see usually. But it is scary in its own way. I don't really know how I would rate this, actually. But going by our hero tier rating, I'm just going to go with Hero of Valor because, you know, I would probably have to test this or play against it to see how well it can really do. But I do see a lot of threats in there. So I'm going to go Hero of Valor. Yeah, so I guess I, I kind of see what you're trying to do here with the multiple threats and bring the two trolls. But kind of like Charles mentioned, I feel like you're taking a pure Angmar list, but you're not really utilizing the army bonus maybe as much as you could with the other spirit models. I personally think like it might be a stronger list if you either drop Verdur and go with a couple Barrel Whites and Spectres instead, or drop the Witch King and do the same thing. Um, you could, you might even be able to add a few numbers with that and then stick with your two trolls kind of theme. Mm -hmm. I think both would probably be a slightly stronger version of the list. And your current allocation, um, I just find if you're going to toss the Witch King into combat, 10 will seems a bit sparse because if there's an enemy spellcaster too, um, you can't just be thinking about the spells you'll be casting and the combats you'll be in, but then you're probably going to be resisting even if it's on one dice as well. So could be a bit dangerous there. But I, I think overall, though, I was surprised with the number of threats you have. You're still able to get 30 bottles, which is solid. And six might kind of counteract the fact that you might not have terror throughout your battle line. So it's kind of hard for me to, um, between a Fortitude and Valor, but I think I'd probably say like more of a strong Fortitude for me. When I look at the list, I think the first thing that caught me that's kind of already been mentioned to a certain extent is I usually see Angmar in one of two or three ways. You can either take a monster-led Angmar list, usually has Birder, Gulavar, or you can take kind of a spirit Angmar list, I think is the most uh, effective way to go if you're looking to synergize. So to echo comments that have already been made, I am a little skeptical of the lack of spirit heroes in the list. You do have the Witch King, but already having a troll, I'd be inclined probably to drop further and instead take Barrow White, perhaps a couple of Spectres, just to really make the most of the Terror special rule being able to interfere with your opponent's battle line using the Spectre special rule. Of course, that leaves you vulnerable to the old trope of no might Angmar, really having a lot of spirit heroes, but only really the Witch King having might. I don't think Burger is quite as necessary, and I would probably take spirit heroes instead. The number of models is quite good, so I don't think that needs much changing. I'd probably leave it at uh, Hero of Fortitude. Just quickly, I think the reason I ended up with the Witch King is because I didn't want Birder as the leader, because he is a hero of valor. And I think, yeah, I think that was the reason why I chose him. As for the Spectre thing, honestly, I think I just forgot they were in the list. <laughs> so I do agree that, yeah, it might be a good idea just to maybe drop two orcs and then swap another orc out for a Spectre. That'd be, that'd be a good shout, yeah. 
They're so having, good. They're yeah, so good. yeah. I, actually, I, if if I can, if I'm allowed to retcon my list a little bit, I would definitely do that. Drop down to 28 models and have one Spectre in there, because then you can pull, try and pull something out and just smush it with the cave troll. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really good point. All right. So our next list is a list from Alexander, 500 point Moria Alliance. Alexander, give us a rundown of your list and your general battle plan. My list is an alliance, of course. It's a Moria list. Moria does not have any historical alliances, so it is a convenient alliance list, meaning I have to have at least one hero of valor from each army list. does make it a bit difficult. I have Gerbers, four Moria goblins with shield, four with spear, two with bows, four Moria goblin prowlers, one bat swarm, and a cave troll, and yes, I gave him the hammer. Moria Shaman, three Moria Goblins with Shield, and three with Spear. And then I have Suladan, two Haradrim Warriors with Spear, two with Bow, two Serpent Riders. 500 points, 30 models, breaks at 16, seven might points. So I kind of feel like the Goblins in this list were just like, hey Jim, should we bring the drum? And the other one was like, nah man, just follow that guy. He's got a big old banner on his back. I like him. <laughs> that was no no yeah you, you hit the nail on the head <laughs> that, that's what i was going for because i think a moria alliance especially at 500 points is difficult just because you're always trying for high numbers an alliance there you don't get the numbers you'd really like so i thought i can't spend the money on the drum luckily suladan has a really big banner how many models did you end up with dirty 30. Uh, that's pretty good. So the real idea is typical Moria fashion, get into combat, get some traps on. That's where the Prowlers come in. Bat Swarm, obviously, to help out, especially Derbers with his lower fight value, to be able to match up with other heroes. Cave Troll does Cave Troll things. Moria Goblin Shaman, obviously, Fury, take those low-courage goblins and allow them to uh, charge into things or stick around when the army breaks. Suladan on a horse for the banner effect more than anything else, but also because he's a very capable three-might striking hero. Makes him a pretty decent general. A good small handful of bows and a couple of serpent riders or some fight for cavalry that can take objectives. Really just try to go for a real general, all-round decent list. I have to be honest, this is the first time I've made a list where I can honestly say I'm not super happy with it, but it's what I have have at it so the soladin alliance contingent sounds very familiar <laughs> uh, might have seen that before but i overall i i do like the concept and yeah 30 models at 500 points is really solid you have march in there honestly the bat swarm is just so flexible especially in a Morialist because everything is really slow so you have this 12 inch move infantry model to pick up objectives or you know just fly around and put board pressure and you have a shaman to counteract courage you have some honesty bows you have a six inch banner from Zuladin you have some serpent riders I quite like it I think the only thing that I would probably say as a feedback is um, I'm not sure if the Prowlers in this situation would be worth it because Prowlers, I think, excel when you utilize the Moria army bonus and you get the traps and 
you get the higher fight value and you kind of take advantage there. I might just go with more goblins and kind of stack out the numbers instead. I think you'd only get like one more goblin though if you swap them out. So. Oh, I, or you can take more um, Haradrim as well. E- either right. way, get get a couple more models there. But I think I would actually give this uh, Hero of Valor. Yeah, I don't blame you, Alexander, for taking Suladan because he's pretty much good in any evil list. Just the six-inch banner, the Heroic March, and the ability to strike. He's just really good for his points. The issue I have with this list is you have most of your goblins without shields. So you're almost a defense four army. I think you have maybe seven with shields, like your prowlers, all your goblins, and all your harad are defense four. And that kind of worries me. The six inch banner isn't as impressive when it's fight two models re-rolling. It's nice to have it on the cave troll and your heroes, but the majority of your models are going to be fight two. And uh, so I don't think the synergy is the best there, uh, even though Suladan is still probably pulling his weight. I can see this list falling apart. You do have the two heroes that can both double stand fast. That's really handy. But I just, I'm worried that if your cave troll gets neutralized somehow, uh, you'll lose goblins really quickly. For me, this is a hero of fortitude list. So the more I look at this list, the more I like it. But I think Charles made a really good point about the low defense when you only have 30 models and a lot of them are fight too. Yeah, man, it's just, it takes a lot of the boxes that I have. You know, it, decent numbers for 500, even though, like I said, they're all fight two. You got a good leader, you got a good banner, you got uh, something to counter like courage shenanigans with the shaman. You've got the cave troll and the bat swarm who can do a lot of damage if you and take out big threats. I mean, I'd like a couple more bows, but you know. I think it's a pretty strong Valor for me. Yeah, I really like it. All right. The next list is the one I brought today, and it's 800 points of pure Moria. So to start off, we have the leader, Derbers, and in his warband, he has five goblins with shield, five goblins with spear, one cave troll, one org marauder, and one bat swarm. Then we have a goblin shaman with four goblins with shield and two goblins with bow. Then we have a Black Shield Shaman, and he's leading four goblins with shield, two goblins with spear. Then we have Groblog, leading four goblin prowlers, two goblins with shield, two goblins with spear, and a second org marauder. And then we have a goblin captain with shield, leading five goblins with shield, three goblins with spear, and four goblins with bow. And the final warband is Druzag, the Beast Caller, leading four wild wargs. One goblin and one bat swarm. This comes out to 800 points, 58 models, and 12 might. So the idea of this list is, uh, as you can probably tell, it's it's a pure Moria list. So I'm going to be taking advantage of the army bonus as best I can, and uh, that's the reason why I brought Groblog. He's very points efficient for three might, but also his ability of uh, essentially on a four plus each turn. Goblins within three inches of him gain one fight value. So when you stack this up with army bonus and you have a goblin that's trapping an enemy and Groblog's ability is triggered, you suddenly have fight four goblins and fight five prowlers. The captains become fight five. Derbers becomes fight six. Uh, That might surprise some people who aren't aware of this synergy. Uh, You have the black shield shaman, the cave troll being threats to big heroes. 
along with two bat swarms and two warg marauders for flanking and objectives. Druzeg is in there to provide an additional threat if necessary, since he has four wild wargs and a bat swarm in his warband that he can buff with Enrage Beast. I just um, took as many Moria tricks, or tricks that you can play in Moria, um, try to pack as many of them in an army as I can. Wow. Just wow. This is, to me, a really just prototypical Moria list, especially with their army bonus, with the way they operate. Uh, yes, you only have the one monster in a, in a list where you can take a good couple, few monsters, but I think you've really made up for that with Druzeg and the Enraged Beast little toy you put there. I actually saw that when I read the list. I thought, this this makes a, a really good extra threat. Obviously, very high numbers. As you mentioned, being able to stack the army bonus with Roblog special rule, with numbers and prowlers, 12 might, you'll probably outmight a pretty decent number of lists that you play against, which is very useful when you're looking to trap your opponent. And you have this week's mandatory requirement with Cave Troll. You don't have a drum, but aside from that, you can see, though, why people wouldn't take the drum, given the cost and what you can do with that. So I like the list all around quite strong. I'd say it's a very good hero of valor. Um, so I have a question. Does Druzeg's Enrage Beast, can can you enrage a Warg Marauder? It's uh, only unridden Wargs. Unridden. So I can dismount at the start of the move or at the end of the move and then enrage it. Uh, yeah, that's one thing you can do or um, on the, any of the four Wild Wargs in his Warband. Okay. Yeah, I, I think um, it looks like a really solid list. I, I wouldn't say... Um, like Alex, it's a typical Moria list because you don't usually see the Druzeg contingent. Um, generally, you would see it with either like a drum or maybe like another cave troll and then fill out the numbers a bit more. I think that would be more the standard. I do like the versatility, though, that Druzeg adds. Although with four wild wargs and a bat swarm, I guess it would really depend on how you how you play that, but it could be dangerous. Yeah, there's, I, I a, think, there's a second bat swarm in Durbur's warband, but yeah. Right. I really like the two bat swarms here, two warg marauders and a cave troll. I think you have some uh, sneaky tricks and decent amount of spread out hitting power. I think like overall, there's not a lot of weaknesses here, and you have a lot of tricks here, but nothing that I would say really scares me to that level where I'm like this this might be like a top, top tier list. So I would probably give this a Valor. I, I'm i just looking at the list like now, and I, I, I want to say this is like what I would really call like a true, like a proper horde, because you still get the decent amount of models. It's not like an overwhelming number of models, but you have so many small things that can all of a sudden turn into like big threats. Because you have the two bat swarms, the two warg marauders, the cave troll... Like you said, that trick with Durbers and Gorbog where he goes up to fight six. And then Druzag can all of a sudden turn any of these wild wargs just into raging maniacs. So, I really like it, actually. I'm just trying to like think of a way like how I would fight this. The Black Shield Shaman might be a little bit of an overkill, but he's kind of in there to stop the heroes as well. Yeah, because he's got, he's got Shatter and Tremor, right? Yeah, Tremor is kind of... You don't see it a lot, but... 
he could maybe surprise an opponent the first turn, just tremor their front line, and then they're all automatically prone, so they're all automatically trapped. So it triggers the Moya bonus instantly. But that's one oh, of the tricks. I never thought about that, actually. Yeah, if they're knocked over. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, you can almost just use your Warg Marauders to go down and knock stuff down, whatever they don't kill. Just let them get swarmed by goblins the next turn. Yeah, and they do have the goblin keyword, so with Groblog's ability, they would become fight five for one turn, um, potentially. Oh, oh, oh. Warg Marauders at fight five, that's terrifying. <laughs> oh my god. You're almost making me reconsider the legend on this one. <laughs> oh, dude, like, I'm... You guys forgot was... the tremor. <laughs> I was at, like, a soft legend, and then Richard brought it down to, like, a strong valor, and now we're talking about it. Now I'm back up to legend, I think. it's There's just, like, so much stuff in here that's just, like, it's cheeky. Like, it's a lot of stuff for your opponent to keep track of, and I think yeah. it, it's just going to be too much. Like, they're, at some point, you're going to forget something, because there's just so many small threats, and then when that happens, if you're ready for it, you can just hurt them really badly with, oh. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with the legend. Maybe, like, like a soft legend, just because, like Richard said, there's nothing, like, really in there that's a yeah. big threat, but I also kind of like that aspect, you know? So I'm definitely... Soft, okay. soft there... legend, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. It's probably probably the first legend Ian has given that doesn't have a banner, but I'll take that as a win. No banner? No buttons? <laughs> no banner. Moria can't take a banner. They can only get oh. a banner effect. All right, you're forgiven, yeah. then. <laughs> you are forgiven. Yeah, fine. Yeah, no. Okay. I'm going to go with Legend. Cause, cause, yeah, and you have the march in there. I mean, yeah, the, the march on the captain is good. You'll get a, a chunk of the goblins moving faster, but you have enough wargs and bat swarms and and stuff to get the movement where you need it for objectives. Yeah, the biggest risk, honestly, is just if you come up against an army with good shooting and you have to run at them, that'll hurt you. Definitely. But, I mean, that's always a tough yeah. match for evil armies. So, yeah, it's good. I like it. All right. And then our final list is Richard's list, which is 800 points, convenient alliance with Moria. Okay, so my list, I think I've uh, talked about it briefly in the several previous podcasts, um, or at least mentioned it. It's an uh, alliance list between Moria, Mordor, and Dark Denizens of Mirkwood. So the Moria contingent starts out with Durbert's as my leader and then he's leading three goblin warriors with shield three goblin warriors with spear three goblin warriors with bow and then a cave troll with no hammer um controversial (gasps) (laughs) and then we have from the mordor contingent uh melthasaron with the armored horse two moranins with shield three orc warriors with shield five orc warriors with spear and then as well we have a budget ring wraith with two might, seven will, one fate, four black Numenorians, three Moranians with spear and shield, one orc warrior with spear, and then one orc warrior with banner, shield, and spear. And then we also have Kardush with three orc warriors with spears, three orc warriors with shield, and four orc trackers. And then finally, from the denizens of Mirkwood, there's the Spider Queen, leading a bat swarm and three fell wargs to a total of 48 models at 800 points and 11 might yeah so this list basically is just bringing i try to bring a lot of versatility and bags of tricks to kind of 
be ready for any sort of scenario. Um, so there's a lot of different strategies for this. We've mentioned this one strategy in previous podcasts with Cardouche and a Ring Wraith, where I can compel out the enemy banner and then either channel or just a normal flame burst to get rid of it in the first turn before combat is really useful. But mostly the first thing you look at is the Spider Queen, which is extremely versatile and in my opinion, probably one of the best evil heroes. She can just kill anything, run through terrain at movement 10. And with her fight six alongside a Bat Swarm, that means if you get it, get those two into the same combat, there's no way that you can outfight her because the Bat Swarm would take your even a fight 10 model down to fight five. And then Derberts is my leader, and he has heroic defense and a D6, but most of the time he won't even really be in combat. Mostly I can just, in my Moria contingent, I'd be tossing in the Cave Troll. And speaking of which, I find that uh, the Cave Troll with uh, spear support, a lot of the times I can just threaten my fight six. And if I get into the front lines, a lot of times I'm usually rending or hurling instead of striking normally. So um, I didn't have the spare points for the hammer. If I did, I would end up taking it. And then I also have three goblin bows, which allows me in the clash by moonlight scenario to basically outshoot most lists because the goblins have um, the... This see in the dark special uh, role, so. 18 inch bows uh, cave dwellers uh. i mean in clash by moonlight that's more than enough the 18 18 inch bows yeah so yeah uh, and, then, and then at the end of the day um i have triple casters it's a lot of uh it's a lot of pressure to armies that don't have fortify spirit or any resistance to magic built in so yeah Threw up a little bit in my mouth. This is so strong. I mean, if we were just talking about my list having tricks, this one just yeah. has seems like it has like ten times that. <laughs> Actually, making me realize that I had uh, didn't have a hammer on my troll either. But uh, you you have three casters, which is just the the amount of damage you can do with that. <laughs> it, it just there's just so much potential of stopping big heroes and disrupting um, combat heroes combat profiles and uh, spider queen is one of the toughest heroes to deal with just because she can spawn her broodlings and they can move so quickly that it's kind of unpredictable what a spider queen can do in a single turn i think the cave troll is a nice add-on with the moya contingent do you have a reason why you picked derbers as the leader over the mouth of sauron because since they're both heroes of valor uh, Derbert, like I said, is um, has heroic defense um, with three might, and they're both D6. But Melthasarn is fight five on an armored horse, so I like to have the option of throwing him into combat as well. Okay, yeah, I think uh, I think you made all really good hero choices there. I'm a really big fan of Cardouche, and I think Mouth of Sarn and the Wraith kind of synergizing with that. Like you said, being able to compel a model out and then flame burst, that's already really powerful in itself. And then you still have to worry about the Spider Queen. You still have to worry about the Cave Troll. Uh, there's just a lot going on. Um, this is definitely a Hero of Legend. I, I can see this list uh, doing well and even winning tournaments. I mean, if, if there was a Nova, I think I would be tempted to bring something like this <laughs> this year. 
There's uh, okay. Charles said this. Like, yeah, this is like like very similar to his list, except you actually have like the big threat <laughs> with the uh, with the Spider Queen. And I think it's like super unpredictable. Uh, there's uh, there's so much going on here. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Uh, you got your honesty, orcs with bows. I I don't know if I could say anything. This is crazy. Like I want to play against it just to like have the experience, just to see if it's gonna live up to my expectations. <laughs> but honestly, yeah, like you have so much hero shutdown, and I, I'd be afraid to chuck any hero into this kind of a list. Any like big hero, shy of like Lendil or Glorfindel or somebody who has that like high fight and resistant magic. Or at least, like, the, something to, to stop all the magic coming at them. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> I like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm going to go Legend, I guess. I, I, there's not much else I can say, honestly. It's going to add add value. Well, you see, this list, uh, I, I tried to read it earlier before we started recording, but I saw it, but I couldn't read it because it's some kind of filth. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Alex, you played against this. Did yes, you block no, it from your memory? That's the yes. It's when Ian says he wants to play against it for the experience. Ian, no, you don't. <laughs> this list. It's all of what has been said about the number of threats going on that you can't even keep track of them, and it's so versatile. It's all true. The Spider Queen is just incredible. Just when you think you might have an understanding of what the Spider Queen is going to do, you end up with the Broodlings, and then they come out and they take your objective. The thing you had been protecting all game is gone because of a small bundle of spiders. The troll, you, you don't even think about the troll. The troll is just there. You're not even thinking about that one. The mouth of Sauron, don't get me started. <laughs> just... And when people say, oh, you can't, there's, how often you, are you going to be able to compel a banner out of base contact and then flame burst it? It only takes once. I, I really can't say anything except this list, if we had more tournaments this year, would win a tournament. It has range. It has numbers. It has at least one big threat. And I would honestly say that, especially against anything lower than Fight 5, the Mouth of Sauron definitely has the ability to be a combat threat when mounted. He's got the hand and a half, too, doesn't he? So he, yeah. he could get plus one, I think. Yeah. He does. So if you throw that in with a bat swarm, I don't know, maybe you have one of those. Pretty dangerous. I gotta say, this is definitely a Hero of Legend list, because yeah. I know it's a Hero of Legend list, because I never want to see it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it's unbeatable. I think it's kind of the same thing as Charles, where, like, it could get shot out, because you do have a lot of, like, defense four and five stuff there. But you do have a lot of movement, right? Because I think the Ringwraith has March, and the Mouth of Sauron has March, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you could actually, like, quite reasonably be able to push up your entire army with yeah, the two and, Marches in a turn. So, yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, Charles kind of brought this up, which um, I kind of utilized this a couple times against more shooty elf lists with the Spider Queen is having the Spider Queen move a full 10 inches and then you can deploy the Broodlings within anywhere within three inches and then they themselves can move another 10 and they can charge in the same turn. So that effectively gives you 23 inches of move 
threat, very easily you can kind of plug up a, a line of archers at least for a turn or so. Or uh, siege engine. So we're going to have to adopt your uh, splitting up the archers tactic then, Richard? <laughs> I, I would just say, like, overall, like, it's just this has been a super fun list to play, like, regardless of how good it has been. Yeah, it's just been a ton of fun. Because of all the shenanigans? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like every time somebody starts to get a handle on this list, you're just going to be like, but wait, there's more! <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, interesting list, I think, overall today, and great variety of lists incorporating this, the Cave Troll profile. And the clear winner of this week is Richard with three Hero of Legend ratings. Woohoo. <laughs> All right, now on to our open topic segment. today's open topic segment we will be discussing and debating overrated heroes of the game so this is basically heroes that we think are overvalued or heroes that we see a lot and we don't think that they're as effective as a lot of people think they are and um, yeah we each brought a few to share and we'll be debating and discussing to see which ones we agree with and which ones we don't okay so when I saw what all you guys had written down for heroes, like, you thought were overrated, I was like, oh, those are all really good picks. And then I was, like, flipping through the books trying to find stuff, and I was like, ah, oh, no, that's okay. Ah, oh, no, that's okay. Oh, that one's already covered. So I kind of went for a couple who are, like, <laughs> pretty controversial. You don't but, say. <laughs> but, I, okay, so, like, the way I kind of justified it is, like, when I was looking at a hero, I kind of think about how often I see them out on the table. So there is a bit of, like, personal bias. So, like, if I see a list with this hero, like, all the time, I didn't, like, and I know there's other ways you could build the list or other things you could do with the list. That's kind of, like, what influenced my overrated kind of, like, rating. <laughs> okay, so, ah, uh, God, okay, I'm just going to go for my first one. And this, this is, this kind of goes back to, uh, a debate Charles and I had what about at least a year two years ago and I used to run him all the time multiple years uh, yeah it's probably two years ago at least by now hey three okay anyway uh my first choice was uh Bard the Bowman I'm, I'm hearing the booze from like <laughs> across the city um so okay the reasoning that I think overrated is, is is definitely a strong thing to say I just think he's like people always think he's so so good for what he does and he is but he also pays for it he ends up once you give him all the upgrades you know he's like the two daughters which gives him the fight six and the heroic combats but that's conditional so he has to be within six inches of them to do that of both of them to do that and then alfred which you know sometimes you know he can end up with only four might instead of the six which is not as good but when you take all that and you put him on the horse he's 205 points that's like superhero status and i think he does fill that role really well but there are ways to shut him down. Like, you can kill off the two daughters, and then he has to go after the model that killed them. And once that happens, he does end up going down fight value, right? He goes down to fight five is his normal one. He's also only defense five with armor, and that's the max you can get him at. So he is susceptible to damage. And I don't think he has heroic defense. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. 
And, you know, obviously, if you're going to take, like, a pure Lake Town list, I think he's he's must-take, 100%. Must, must-take, 100%, just because of the army bonus. But I also think there is a bit of a reason you don't see him allied into other lists as much. Like, even with the Green Alliance, like Mirkwood and um, Iron Hills, just because there's better things you can do with Lake Town in the Alliance lists. I don't know. I'm kind of struggling here, but... I don't think he's undercosted, at least at a minimum. I'll say that much. Who would who would like to disagree first? Charles, I know you have a lot to say, so you go <laughs> ahead. Be the um, well, I I know you kind of just listed off his weaknesses, right? But you take Bard in most Lake Town games that I've seen you play. Um, I mean, occasionally you'll take Gandalf instead, but most of the time it's Bard. I think it's not just his combat abilities, but the fact that he has a 12-inch banner or banner effect. There are very few of those in the game. I think Emerhill is the other one. And if you look at the cost of the Lake Town Militia, they don't really pay for that reroll or that plus one fight. So it's it's basically in Bard's profile. Um, I don't know if I don't know if I agree that he does pay the full points for it, but I just think it's such a massive buff that if you're going to play Survivors of Lake Town, you kind of just he's kind of an auto take for me. And the ability to get six might and being able to shoot a strength four shot, potentially multiple strength four shots a turn with that much might, it's just, it just seems really versatile. You don't have to kit him out to 200 points. I think even if you don't, just armor and horse, he's still really, really good. Yeah, what, what about you guys? I'll say something slightly in Ian's defense. I don't think we should account for the army bonus too much here, because that's not really, you can't really always build that into the hero costs. Similar to like uh, Thranduil with the Merkwood army bonus. But even with a six inch banner effect, I think that, and the plus one fight value, that's probably valued at at least 40 to 50 points. So you're essentially seeing him around Boromir of Gondor costs, which in my opinion is still, well, Boromir of Gondor is just still one of the best good heroes in the game. I personally think alongside him being like hero of legend and being able to shoot like almost as good as Legolas it's yeah like I I think he's still extremely good so definitely hard disagree with you Ian (laughs) (laughs) well okay I will I had a point there and I forgot it was yeah I don't value the the plus one fight value that much on it because it takes you to fight value three and like unless you're facing like goblins or goth monks legion most of the time you're going to be fighting against a lot of arm- like most armies run fight four for a lot of their stuff so i agree the plus one fight value is really good like on boromir's is really good because it takes a lot of guys up to fight four or fight five in the late down list it takes you up to fight three fight four on a couple heroes it's not like amazing but yeah the 12 inch banner is still super good final thoughts on bard i don't think he's under costed is basically what that one was <laughs> i think he's fair okay Okay, oh god, I'm gonna get massacred for this one too. Okay, <laughs> our second one, here we go. Thayadin. I mean, he's really good in a Rohan list, right? Because of the, the bonus to the Riders of Rohan and the Rohan Royal Guard. That's what makes him really good. Looking at his profile, honestly, even when he's like fully kitted out for 100 points, he just looks super underwhelming to me. But then when you factor in, like, with the bonuses that's in the Riders of Rohan profiles, then it gets a lot better. Um, honestly, my biggest issue is he is a hero of legend. He's the only one in the Rohan list, so he's pretty much always going to be your leader. 
And at best, he's defense seven, two wounds, one fate. That's, Unless you take Helm, Helm Hammerhand, uh, but they, they wouldn't be the same list. Yeah, but that's like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, the Helm list basically is just its own legendary legion, but yeah, yeah. fair enough. Or I guess if you do early young, then that's his... Earl is Valor. Thing. But yeah, he's Valor, even yeah. though he's he is a heroic hero of legend, he's still only Valor. <laughs> so. And I, I I'm also must confess, I'm a bit biased because... I generally run a lot of like mixed foot Rohan and cavalry Rohan lists, but like heavily more on like the foot side. So for me, I like to have like Daedrid more often at lower points, and then maybe even I'd ally in somebody else to be the leader. Like anybody from the Gondor lists or fiefdoms, honestly, if you want to like a good hero of legend, if you're not going heavy Rohan Cav. I don't know. I'm just, he's good in the legions, which is awesome, but. Just, he's he's dead and he exists. I don't think he should be super overrated, used as much. I think other Rohan heroes should get a bit more of a shout. Yeah, I think Ian is a little biased here because of his foot Rohan list, but I I kind of see where you're coming from. But it's just in my opinion, the Eden is a must take if you're taking mounted Rohan, and most of the viable or competitive Rohan lists are all mounted with the exception of a few now with the legendary legions but yeah i I just i don't really see a reason why you wouldn't and you brought up theodred as a potential leader i mean theodred has his own risks of being a leader as well so um, that's it yeah lower points values yeah i wouldn't go past like four or five hundred with him as the leader yeah fair enough I think with the recent gambling nerf, you might see less Riders of Thaden legions. So in a few months, maybe Ian won't think that he's so overrated. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, but I mean, I agree with your points. Like in the Helm's Deep Legion, you know, no one wants to take him if if they didn't have to, but he has to be in the list, and you're taking him on foot. And same as uh, the Mounted Legion. Basically, whenever he's in a legendary legion, he's a must-take. So I don't think that necessarily means that he's overrated. It's just that he has to be taken. Um, if you take a non-legion list, I don't know how many people actually take him. If you did, just did like a normal pure Rohan or like an alliance, I don't I don't know if I see him that much, honestly. I think in an alliance, you probably w- wouldn't see him as much. And I have to agree in that case, he's not as valuable as he's often stated to be. But especially, as we've already said, in pure all-mounted Rohan lists, the list is essentially built around him with the special rules. So he definitely makes up for it there. Theodrid being a viable replacement, possibly, but he also has his own drawbacks. He's also only two wounds and one fate. And he has the Reckless Charge special rule, which makes him definitely a bit harder to maneuver. So I don't think Theoden is overrated, just because he's so necessary in so many of the of the different possible lists, especially the all-mounted one. But I, I definitely think he can be a bit squishy at times, so I can understand why a lot of Rohan players would often rather substitute other heroes in, in his place. Richard, do you want to go over your overrated hero? So I I had a few that I drafted up, but they were taken by some of the other guys. So there was only one other one that I thought was that hadn't been brought up. But I would say Aomer, also in the Rohan list. So I think he's a, a big draw for for certain Rohan players because he's he's kind of like the 
Is he the the only three attack three wound hero? Yeah. Uh, if, if you're not going Earl or Helm Hammerhand, then he's the only one. Yeah. Right. Right. And Dernhelm doesn't really count because it's two models there with the yeah. three wounds. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not super expensive, but at 100 points, he's still only fight five. And yeah, he, he has a slight, I don't know if you consider a positive or a negative special rule where with Thedon and Awen, if uh, either of them die. So he kind of goes a bit crazy as well. But overall, I just feel like there's a lot a lot of better Rohan heroes to choose from, especially from the Gondor at War supplement. He's kind of like kind of like how we were discussing like certain ring rates. If you rank the Rohan heroes, I feel like he's he's probably down to the fifth or sixth kind of ranking. Although I will say that we played in a tournament before down in Portland and there was a player named Jake from California who ran Aylmer as a leader in 800 points with no Theden. And he actually ended up winning the tournament. So I think obviously he can still do very well, but I just feel that in my opinion, he's probably just not as effective as many of the other Rohan heroes. I think he, yeah, you're right. I think before the recent uh, FAQ nerf to gambling, uh, Aylmer was even more overrated because you wanted to stack mid-level heroes under the banner so you could get as much might return as possible. And taking Aylmer means that you only get one instead of two heroes potentially, so two might turn one might instead of two might turn. But now that um, the banner only affects one hero, I think Aylmer might be a slightly better choice. Yeah, again, the fight five is the main uh, the main drawback. I just I just still think that he's not like super uh, worth his points. But the new model is nice though. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like he kind of suffers from like what's happened a bit in like the Hobbit and the new edition, where like just having really really solid base profile stats isn't quite enough for people to use the profile. Because, I mean, he, he is very good for you. Know, he's, he's got threes in all the right places. But, yeah, like you guys said, his biggest drawback is the fight five. And, yeah, I think, like Richard said, like there, there are just so many other mid-tier heroes from Gondor at War that you want to throw in there instead. Like, I know a lot of people really love Durnhelm. I think she's great. And then there's the guy Darrowine. who synergizes with the Thaden. Yeah, Darrowine. Yeah, he's pretty good, too. You know, he's he's got, a, like, good heroic actions, and he, he gets free hero combats, which is always, like, a handy thing to have. And yeah, then Elfhelm as well. And Elfhelm, oh, I love Elfhelm, honestly. Just oh, so, so shenanigans, so much shenanigans with him. It's great. But, yeah, I think he just kind of drops, like, lower and lower. Like, as we keep on mentioning these profiles, he's just kind of going lower and lower on the tiers and stuff when I'd want to take him. I know when the... The, the new book first came out. I did try to run a list with him and uh, Eowyn in it, I think. Like, mostly Foot Rohan. And I had him as... Uh, I think I had... Yeah, he must have been the leader. But, like, the idea I had was just run Eowyn in, like, on a horse and use her as a grenade. So she just goes crazy and dies. Maybe, like, kills a hero or burns up all the resources on a hero. And then you get Aemir to run in there and finish him off because she gets powered up. But... I don't know if that's a combo you'd you'd really want to use. Like, <laughs> that's a lot of points you're risking on fight five models who could just go down super quickly. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you if you compare him with other around 100 point level heroes that have 
the threes and threes like Suleiman and Boromir of Gondor. They those picks that I just thought off the top of my head have so much more utility than Aylmer already. Oh, and I forgot to add that Aylmer is in a new legendary legion as well. But honestly, that one seems kind of tough to run in my opinion because you have to put Aylmer and Gandalf in the same list and it's basically just Riders of Rohan, right? Yeah, I, no there's, Royal Guard. there's no Royal Guard in there, so you can it, you can get fight four riders if you take Urkenbrand. No, no, I mean like uh, for Urkenbrand, I don't think he gives you fight four anymore. Oh, right, you're right. Yeah, what's the banner reroll if you pay one yeah. point? Yeah, like so you can't three of him. Yeah, so you don't you don't get the fight four at all. It's um it's a fight three army. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the the legion that he kind of headlines is not very competitive in my opinion as well. So. Yeah. That okay. being said, I wouldn't mind an Urkenbrand in uh, a foot Rohan list. <laughs> the, the the plus two courage is nice though. The courage, um, the courage, yeah. I think I can't remember who was talking about that list, but they're saying is like once you get Gandalf and Aemir in there, you want to throw in Urkenbrand because you want the extra hero with the march and stuff, but once you throw all three of them in there, you have to play at least 800 points just to get the numbers of riders you want, and they're still all fight three. Yeah, you get the awesome charge bonus, but that's only one turn, so it's, it's like a hard list to play. I just have a difficult time sometimes calling Amir overrated when I look at his profile, just because he has such a decent profile. I think what really hurt him ended up being the supplement, just because there were so many other heroes that came in. It's much of what we talked about often in the Mordor list, depth of heroes. They've ended up with such a deep list of heroes that someone as good as Amir gets knocked down the list because he doesn't have the special rules or the synergy that other characters do. He's not bad, but with the new supplement, I think he's fallen out of favor. All right, uh, so I think I'll go over my overrated heroes. Uh, the first one I want to bring up is Sauron. Now, I don't think this one is super, super overrated, but I just, I often hear people um, express their fear of this hero and asking, you know, around experienced players how to deal with him. The way I look at it, he's very expensive for a single hero, and while it looks like he can do it all, he's almost impossible to kill, and he's a really good spellcaster. He is only one model, and you can occupy him with a single um, warrior in combat and kind of bait him to use his might because you know that he wants to save his might on the one ring so it really his resources are very limited he's also a spellcaster then just like any other spellcaster he can only cast one spell a turn so as good as his spells are i don't think that he's anywhere near unstoppable with his magic with so many points just moving around on a single 40 millimeter basis as a player who controls sauron you're under a lot of pressure to get the most out of him and I don't think he's the easiest model to use um, with only a six-inch move. I, I Yeah, I agree. I think he's just like, he's basically the definition of how do I deal with this? Oh, I'll just ignore him and go for the army. Because the stuff, he has to be in Veridur, so the stuff that's going to be around him is basically just going to be orcs who are defense four or five. So, yeah, I think if you're going to fight him, I think the easiest way to fight him is just go after the orcs, get enough kills to break him, and then maybe in the late game you can try and go for a wound or two. But honestly, yeah, the, the biggest thing is you're going to have to concede in most games when you play against him. You're probably not going to get the breaking points. 
you might get the leader wound, but you probably won't get the kill or the breaking points, which is, that's a really good bonus in and of itself. But like you said, he's what, 400 points with the ring? Yeah, he's 400, 400 points. And yeah, at 800 points, you know, that's it's half your list. Even if you're bringing a bunch of chaff, you know, you're not going to get a lot of other threats. So yeah, I, I agree. He's he's big, but you know, feed him a couple of warriors a turn. Go do something else with you guys. Stay like 12 inches away from him. And he's going to find it really hard to get in there. Like with your heroes, he's going to find it really hard to get in there and do the damage he wants to do. I agree with everything you guys have said. For 400 points, even at an 800-point list, he makes up a majority of your army. He's pretty much all of your strong resources on one character. So um, the second one is doing here from the fiefdoms list. And this one, you know, it might be a surprise to some people because I think he's a really popular pick. A disclaimer, I don't think he's a bad hero at all. I just think that there are so many good heroes in the fiefdoms list that I, I don't think that he should be one of the first picks. So he's a hero of valor at 60 points. That's really good for spamming out. And his bonus giving the archers reroll ones is really effective if you're spamming archers and doing that kind of list. But he's kind of weak in combat. He has a heroic defense, but he's fight war. And um, just think that he's he can go down really easily, and you're kind of just using him for the might. I think that Angbor and Forlong are both better picks for their points and offer better bonuses. Um, so I would take Angbor and Forlong in a fiefdoms list after Immerhill any day instead of doing here. Thoughts? I mean, for me, when I'm writing a, a fiefdom list, he's probably, like, my number three pick. Like, Emrahil is first, and then you go Forlong, just because the courage buff from Forlong is really handy. I the, the most comparable thing with his shooting is to, like, the Harad list, where then you kind of, if you compare the bonuses, like, with the Harad, with the Betrayer, you have to spend a will point to get rerolls. That's way better than spending a might point. But then if you consider the fact that they're going to be hitting on threes rather than fours, and they're going to be reeling ones. You get a lot more hits with a block of the Blackroot Veil Archers with him buffing them than you would with, like, the Harad link thing. So I think it's it's worth it more, having to spend the point of mind. I, I just think that it requires the Archers not to move, and that just means that you're going to use his bonus once, maybe twice a game. It's, it's way more conditional than Harad. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. That is a very good point. Yeah, you're right. You you will pretty much only use it like once. And and personally, I like to keep at least a point of might on him, just so I can throw him into a big hero of heroic defense, and that'll should block that enemy hero up for like two turns once combat goes in. Yeah, yeah I don't know the the thing comparing him to like Forlong. He, they kind of compete for like my number three slot, but you mean Forlong is really sorry. You mean Angkor? Because you said Forlong was your number two. Sorry, I meant Angbor is my number two. Did, wait, okay. did I mix that up? Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Angbor you said is my four... number two because he's okay. got the strike and the courage buff. Sorry. It was confusing because uh, they both have the courage buff. Forlong does too. Forlong does have the plus one courage, yeah. but that like that's not as good as just having everybody be fearless. Sorry okay. about that. Forlong would be my number three if he had like march or strike, but he doesn't. So he can really chew through troops really well, but he kind of runs into trouble if anything with fight five or fight six goes into him. Yeah, I, I I don't think he's that bad of that bad or that overrated just because he's he's his only sixty points. He's still pretty cheap and he is valor, so you can like spam out troops with him. So yeah, I'm not sure. I totally agree with Dune here being overrated as well. I think you make some good points, but I think it's more like the strategy that you're going for. 
Like if you're gonna, uh, if you're most likely if you're playing pure fiefdoms and you're maxing bows, it is a pretty strong shooting list. So I feel like because the the numbers in this list is quite high, so you'll have a decent amount of bowmen. So I think at that point, at sixty points, like Ian said, and three might, he's something. He's only that got I'll, two might. Oh, he's only has two might. Okay, but I, I would still say he's an okay pick. I think both Forlong and Angbor might be better in a vacuum, but they kind of fulfill a similar role. So if you're only taking three fiefdom heroes, I think you would kind of take one of the two between Forlong and Angbor, Immerhill, and then Dune here. But then, obviously, if you uh, if you have enough points, I think all of the named heroes in that list are pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately, for the cost in a standard... Uh, Eatem's list. He's actually pretty worth it. Fair enough. I, I haven't thought about um, Forlong and Nangbor being the, of the same role. I just always compare their bonuses, and I just liked uh, both of their bonuses better than his. But I will say, just one thing I know one of our local guys kind of likes to do is ally in Madril with uh, with doing here, just to get like extra might for that special rule, which I kind of... I like that idea, and I think Madrill also fills that role in the fiefdoms list where he brings the march for pretty cheap and extra might. So that yeah. might be something to consider if you want to take them together. Yeah. And then obviously it frees up some of Duran here's might for his actual like special rule against monsters and stuff, which is probably his biggest drawback because you want to use his might for defense when he gets into combat against big heroes. You want to use his might to call the rook shoots because he's going to be around your archers, and you want to use his might to boost his wounding rolls against monsters because you can do D3 wounds against monsters. And he only has two might, so that's probably his biggest drawback. Yeah, good point. Okay, and my final pick of overrated heroes for this week. I'm going to apologize in advance to um, our friends in Seattle and their podcast. Uh, I'm not <laughs> going after them, uh, but my, my last pick is Durin. And um, <laughs> I was really excited when the new edition came out because Durin got a, a pretty significant buff. He was almost never seen last edition, and it's just cool how, how he's able to bring Hearthguard in the army, and he's got all sorts of gadgets, like a, a ring that lets him reroll priority, you know, a warhorn. He's got a lot of stuff going on in his profile, but the thing that makes me just not ever want to take him in a list is him being 160 points and a movement five foot hero. So to me, it just it just seems that he's really easy to stop. I've never really had any trouble facing against a Durin. Well, the Warhorn there, giving plus one courage, it's good value when you math out the points. You're not paying the full 30 points on him. But Dwarves being already pretty good courage, and when you're trying to spam out Hearthguard in a Durin list, you have a lot of Bodyguard already in your list, and the Horn just doesn't seem as valuable. Um, He is pretty solid in combat. He has Heroic Defense and Heroic Strike, as well as plus one to wound with his Master Forge Axe, but... Again, uh, a movement five where he moves is kind of predictable. And uh, he could just be disabled with magic or knocked prone. And uh, there are just games where I've seen him constantly get getting knocked down and getting up, killing one or two models. And 160 points, I can just think of so many heroes that uh, bring better value. I mean, I've played him a few times. I've uh, infamously taken him to Nova. And I really think if I could do that over again, I would. I have to agree, for 160 points, he is far too easy to shut down. Maybe not to actually take off the board, but as you've said, movement 5, however, that's, I find, a bit unfair just to dwarves in general. 
because any non-mounted dwarf hero can only move five. The Hearthguard upgrade is fun, but at the same time, they are 13 points, so they are relatively expensive. They have to be in his warband. So that's the main draw, I think, for taking him in the list. But for 160 points, I can bring Balin, who essentially does a miniature version of what Durin does, but for 50 fewer points. 50 points goes a long way. I think there's just better ways to allocate points into various threats in a list when you're playing Khazadum than taking Durin. All right, uh, Richard, anything to add? Yeah, I think Alex brings up most of the good points here, but again, he's one of these heroes with like a really solid stat line, great special rules, but just for its points, uh, personally, I've never played him, but I've played many games against him, and I don't think there's any one game that I've played against him where I felt that he's made up his points in that game and really like put the pressure on me. So personally, whenever I come across him, in a list, I'm I'm pretty happy to go against him. You kind of you, you take Durin not for Durin, but for the Hearthguard upgrade. Yeah, but even if that's the case, though, like I feel like paying two points for the Burly, it's it's not necessarily a value a yeah. value upgrade, right? It, yes and no, because the one thing that kind of like does it for me is like when when I first faced Durin, I was like, okay, this is just like a normal dwarf list with a lot of like. Has a guard in it, whatever I can deal with this. But then when you combine it with the army bonus, a lot of against anything like defense six or five, which is really common in the list against like the hearth guard, they're gonna wound you most of the time. You know, on fours, rerolling one. So it it does add a lot of hitting power into the list when you have them. But like you guys said, like if you take Durin and eighteen hearth guard, it's like almost four hundred points. Like that's that's a good chunk of your list. And then like you guys said, Durin can't really get around to be the threat that he needs to be. Because I feel like you want him to fight enemy heroes because he has the plus one to wound in the defense nine and the decent fight value. But he's just, he's never going to be able to get there. Like he has to like walk up and hope they come to him. Yeah. Now, I, I think one of the biggest issues with that is even though you are getting that upgrade and with the army bonus, you are right. Hearthguard re-rolling ones to wound pretty filthy unit. But to get that unit, you're already paying essentially 160 points because they're only eligible if you have Durin a list. They're only eligible in his warband. So even if you had Durin and 18 Hearthguard, completely maxed out the number you could have. It's a lot of points for not a lot of models. I just have one more thing to say. I think the best way I can summarize him is like in comparison to Dane, who's also, he's 160 points when he's mounted up on the boar. And, like, when I see Dane put down on the table, I'm like, oh, you know, damn, how am I going to deal with this guy? Because he can do damage, he can get around when he needs to be, and he's super annoying. But when I see Durin, it's just kind of like, okay, sure, whatever, I'm not, like, super worried, like you guys are saying. Yeah, you summarized perfectly. All right, Alex, uh, I think you're the last one with your overrated heroes. All right, so first, I think I picked one that's been discussed quite a bit. Really, I think everyone knows the drawbacks already, so I'll just get it out of the way. I think it fit quite well with this week's main topic came up. I picked the Balrog. It's a very strong monster. He does get the Fiery Lash, which can be quite useful, but ultimately he has no might points. 
and he's just a phenomenal amount of points in a list where you are always going for that typical 60 goblins in a list, maybe more. So to have something in an 800 point list that already takes up nearly half of that with no might points, no ability to heroic combat, while he does have the ability to barge. He does get free heroic combats, by the way. Oh, you are correct. it's, It's on his profile, yeah. You're right, he does. But I just, even with that, I struggle to see him as being, again, kind of like Sauron, not really able to win you objectives, taking away too much of the the quantity of the Moria list, the ability to get those traps to make the most of the army bonus. He'll definitely win you games in Contest of Champions, or maybe Lords of Battle. But when you're playing for an objective and you've got a hero of this size where you're able to plug one or two models into him, focus all of your energy on a much lower number of goblins in order to break the army, it's a very precarious position to be in. Yeah. And with the other options and the way you can play Moria, I don't see a reason to take him. I think uh, he's just like a super hard model to use and to use well. And I think the the differences from the way he was like in the old edition, he was just kind of like a meme, like you take him if you just for fun, just to mess around. But now I think he definitely has a place in the list. So I'm going to disagree with you a bit, Alex, because I think he's definitely playable and usable, but like a really high skill cap to make like the most use out of him. So yeah, I, I I wouldn't necessarily say he's overrated. I think he comes out to play enough, but I do think it's he's super hard to play. I'll be uh I'll be Team Alexander on this one. I think he's, you can say he's overrated, but um, not because he's a bad profile, but I would say more because I've heard a lot of maybe more beginner players who tend to say that this this model's OP, or like, how do you beat a model like this? Oh, we shouldn't bring a Balrog to a competitive tournament because it's unfair. Stuff like that, I think, is, is probably wrong in my opinion, because I think there's definite weaknesses to this profile. Like, Having a 350-point profile with zero might, even with the free heroic combats, it's, it's just not the same. And with like a bigger base, I feel like an experienced player can kind of set it up in a way that you're not going to get a lot of value out of that. The scariest thing I would say from the Balrog would be the Fiery Lash, in my opinion, because... Mm-hmm. With the line of sight that the Balrog has, you can honestly, sometimes it's a coin toss whether you drag like the enemy leader to you, and then that could potentially win you the game. So that's definitely a scary thing. But otherwise, once he hits combat, I feel like he's fairly easy to tarp it, considering his uh, points cost. I think this one might be our first uh, evenly split one in opinions. I've had some success with the Balrog myself. I, I don't think he's anywhere near auto-take. You know, Moria is such a versatile list, as we've seen today with our army list. There's so many ways to play it. I don't think you need the Balrog. I don't think he's OP at all. He's just one way to play. And I've got to disagree with Alexander on objective capturing. The Balrog does provide a 12-inch fearless for Moria goblins, which is very, very rare in evil side. You're you're paying premium for, for shamans to cast fury, and he just gives you 12 inches. So late game... Your goblins don't run, and they fight until basically as long as you want them to, until they die. I think the Fiery Lash can be really good in the hands of a good player. Since it drags you to the closest point on your base, you can pretty much block the front of his base with goblins. Let's say he lashes at an enemy general. He would pull the enemy general behind the Balrog, 
know, if you set up enough threats behind the Balrog, it could just mean that the enemy leader would just go down in one turn. And three plus on that Fiery Lash, it's it's not like it won't hit very often. His heroic combats are, yes, he has a big base, but I kind of see it as extra movement for him. Yeah, I think that the zero might kind of really limits his uses in certain scenarios, and you're not going to win a lot of priorities if you play the Balrog list, for sure. So it's not the easiest list to play, but I don't think he's uh, overrated. I think he's pretty fairly rated. I think the biggest risk is, like you are saying, is like that tactic of pulling the hero with the whip. You have to do that to use him well. You can't end up in the trap where, like Richard was saying, where you just let him fight troops. Because that's, that's, that's exactly what your opponent wants them to do. Even though you're killing probably two to four guys a turn, you're not getting the uh, big enemy heroes, right? And then those enemy heroes are just going to munch through all the goblins that are with you. And then you're just going to lose the objective games. The second hero on my list is one that I have a fair bit of experience with. I have Shagrat, war leader of Sirithungal. Now, he is a pretty strong base profile. Fight 5, strength 5. If you give him the armor and the shield, he's defense 7. 3 attacks, 3 wounds. Courage 5, 3, 3, 3. Pretty good in that regard. But when you completely kill him out, he's 115 points. And a lot of what you end up wanting from him is the special role of the shield of Sarthangal. In which, in a turn in which he charges, you win the combat, he gets the uh, knock to the ground special roll, just like a cavalry model charging. I find that's where a lot of his hitting power comes in, which makes him quite conditional. He's very successful in games where you get all the charges, but in games where he's being charged, it's a lot of points to pay for a hero of his caliber where you can often get hero that can do generally the same thing but better. Or a couple of heroes that can do similar things just as well, and then end up getting five or six might points instead of three. For that reason, I consider Shagrat overrated. He's also a hero of fortitude, and his ability to ally into other lists goes down, and you can't, for such a beefy hero, you can only lead 12 models with him. Um, but, it, but it makes his heroic challenge better. Yeah, <laughs> he I is one do, of the best heroic challenges. I do like that, though, honestly. Like, if he just goes into, like, a captain... Or like a little standard three might captain, and he just heroic challenges them. Like, what are they gonna do? And then he They're has there, blood but... and glory, right? So yeah. he gets his might. So the, he is cool with that. I really like that. But in also, concept, on paper, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work out as well. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen yeah. it work out as well as I want it to. But he he also has a he's an he's an urukai in the Mordor list, which we know that urukai and Mordor generally don't get that much love, especially this edition. They usually take orcs in, in Mordor, and he just doesn't benefit from the bonuses, like from Gothmog, for example. Yeah, That's my big problem with Shagrat, is that on paper, he looks fantastic. But again, in an army that has so many bonuses, little perks that come with orcs, as an Urukai, he doesn't get that. I'm not so worried about things like being fearless or getting plus one if you outnumber with him, but... That's only troops, Alex. That is only troops. I remember from our last game, you were cheating. That's only Black A opens. Well, do you know who also is in that same points range? Boromir of Gondor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, though, it's it's just like, he, yeah, like, solid profile again, but just, I think, a bit too expensive. Like, you could pretty much get Gorbag and maybe, like, a Zagdouche or um, a Grishnak, like two of those for the price of one 
and you would essentially be doubling up on might on that. So I don't know. I just don't feel the need to put him in my list very often. Sulidan's also the same points. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kind of falls into the same trap as Amer. There's just so many other better options, like you guys are saying. I think he has a good place, though, at maybe at, at lower points games, like four or 500 points. If I you think. just want a brawler. Yeah, but then once you get to higher points, there's just better brawlers and like bigger toys you, you're going to want to take instead. All right, Alexander, your final profile? My final profile I chose is Maher from the Isengard list. Uh, he is fight five, strength five, he's defense five. He is three attacks, which amongst the Urukai heroes, that is the only one. He is only two might, one will and one fate. Now, he does have a special rule that allows him to upgrade Urkai Scouts to an 8-inch move for one point per model. He also has an 8-inch move himself. The mobility is nice, but ultimately, in a standard Urkai list, he doesn't really have his place in my mind. I wouldn't take Urkai Scouts in a standard list. I'd only really take them in the Legion, and really the lack of one might, the inability to strike... Really, if I'm looking at heroes for Urukai, my top three are Lurts, Ugluck, and Grashku. In an army where you only have Fight 5, the ability to strike is completely invaluable. So for that reason, I think he falls out of favor. <laughs> you keep talking like the guys on, like, what is it, Survivor? <laughs> That's why he was voted off the island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Alex. You know, he's, like... Basically, if you're going to take him with the scouts, I think the biggest thing is, like, you could get them with the woodland creature, right, in the in the Legion. Or, yeah, it's not even in the normal one, it's just in the Legion. Oh, no, that is in the, in the normal list. So, yeah, if you want to have, like, an alternative to cavalry with smaller bases who can move fast through terrain, I, I can see them being that, like, useful like that. Especially because, you know, you do get a lot of march in Isengard, because he brings march, Lurtz brings march. Like, a lot of the named heroes bring March, so, like, they can move super fast, but, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people just look at the three attacks, and they're like, oh my god, three attacks for 60 points, that's crazy good. And then they forget that he doesn't have the strike, which is kind of why you run into a bit of trouble with Isengard, because you usually end up with, I guess, only, like, one striking hero. We mentioned earlier in the other podcast, I like Ugluk a lot more, so I'm a little biased, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, he just, he ran so fast that he dropped one of his might points. I... <laughs> <laughs> Alex, I'm getting off your team here. I fully disagree. Like where Ian says he only has, you know, movement eight and small bases and move through terrain. Like to me, that's that's all pretty good. Uh, well, pretty that, essential. I mean, like it's, it's good, but it's like if that's what you want in the list, right? As opposed yeah. to cavalry, I wouldn't mix the two. I take that as opposed to cavalry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, when we come to Isengard, the cavalry options are Wargriders, which are decent, but they also don't really synergize with the Isengard army bonus. Um, and then same as Dunlin Cavalry now, if, if you want to count that. So I actually really like Scouts. And then mixing a couple uh, bows in there that they can move four inches and be able to shoot at strength three bows... I think is just really flexible. I, I personally don't think he really needs strike because he's not the kind of hero at D5, fight five and two might that you're going to be wanting to throw into a big hero anyway. He's supposed to be, in my opinion, a good flanking hero and hitting objectives and just clearing the units there. 
So I, I think he is definitely not overvalued. And especially in the lower point games, I think he's definitely up there in my picks. I don't think Maher is overrated. I think what's overrated is, is his three attacks. I think he's solid if you're going to get him for the scouts. But just for the fighting ability, yeah, yeah, he's overrated. Uh, especially with Dunlin getting so many new heroes. And they're a part of the Isengard list. So you could essentially take Gorolf and lead your Urkai with him. And Gorolf has strike, similar profile. Three might instead of two for ten more points. And... Yeah, that's just the most similar comparison. But yeah, I think if you're taking scouts, if you want that faster infantry, then don't think he's overrated at all. I guess I'm the only uh, Mahur fan here. I better build a start building a list. I got some scouts ready here. I, I'll change my opinion a little bit because that's a good point. I think he's probably maybe not overrated, but misused. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think that wraps up this episode. Lots of great discussions in this one. Thank you all for the debate, and to all listeners, thank you all for listening. Until next time, this is Into the West Podcast.